Welcome, data people. We are Zuma. My name is Matt, and this is the Data for Good podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Zuma. Zuma is a dedicated recruitment company focusing on data positions across Berlin. The Data for Good podcast is for the world of data science, analytics, and engineering, giving you a platform to hear the thoughts and opinions of data leaders from Berlin and beyond. Today, we are joined by Pavel Ganatenko. Senior Product Manager for Data Science at N26. Pavel, welcome. How are you? Uh, well, <clears throat> thank you for having me here. Thank you. I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you. It's a, it's a privilege to, to have you on today. For those who, who don't know, who um, can you give us a, a quick introduction? Yeah, yeah, sure. So my name is Pavel. Uh, at the moment, I am working as Senior PM at N26 in financial crime prevention area, focusing on data science products. Uh, my background is computer science and data science. And for the past 12 years, I was working in different fintech companies, focusing on financial crime and other areas. Amazing. And we're going to tap into, tap into that wisdom and all that knowledge uh, today. We, today, we're going to talk about the triad of data science so for those who don't know and to start us off very simply what are we talking about what what is the triad uh if i think about data science and product development from my experience i see i would say there are three key roles in this the first one how data science can push and drive innovation and the product features uh the second one how to balance between let's say cutting it edge technologies techniques and from another side still have practical solutions and be able mm -hmm. to deliver them at the same time iterative nature of developing data-driven products and how data science impacts actually at the delivery of such kind of products so how do we implement this in data science what are the the simple applications when looking about product development specifically in, in data science? Uh, I would say at the moment, there are two key big areas. The first one, which is supervised learning. And I mm -hmm. think we're all familiar with a lot of, let's say applications of this area, starting for example, from search, different recommendations. We see it day to day, let's say in different apps we use as well as for example, fraud prevention. Mm -hmm. where basically uh, such kind of techniques they help to analyze huge amounts of data and make let's say more precise more precise decisions when we are trying to prevent fraud at the same time another big interesting area is gen ai and yeah. basically if you think back backwards when november last year the first version of chat gpt was released and yeah. it's around less than one year we see a lot of interesting application there starting for example from chatbots image generations for example for food delivery which i think from my perspective is very exciting space since when i moved to berlin around two years ago uh, nice. my german is not perfect at the moment and when i open let's say some delivery apps and i want to go through let's say the menu of different restaurants yeah. i can't even see let's say the images of some food and it makes let's say my choice very complicated or, for example, since like voice generation, I'm a huge fan, let's say, of tech gadget area. And for example, in the latest versions of Pixel and Android, basically with the help of Gen AI, it can even answer the calls mm -hmm. on behalf of me. 
and be able to, to answer them, guide them, and complete them. Awesome. So let's set the stage then. So what are, what are the roles of, of data science in, in driving innovation, achieving balance, embracing iteration? Um, I think the first and the most important one is that we need to understand the value from the product perspective, when you want, let's say, to work with data science and implement some of these techniques before uh, even think about, let's say, what kind of innovation data science can bring to this topic, you need to think about, let's say, long-term value, mm -hmm. basically from the users. So I would say from one side, uh, you need to keep an eye, you need to talk to your customers and think about long-term value. Since, for example, we have a lot of interesting applications several years ago where it can they can generate, for example, avatar for you. But at the moment, if you think about these applications, a lot of them, they are gone. Because uh, in a very short period of time, they were pretty successful because people could gener generate, let's say, beautiful avatars and so on. Yeah. But from the long-term perspective, they don't bring a lot of weight. And I would say from this side, the most important one, and one of the thoughts which I heard is that you need to make sure that you have this long-term value vision from the beginning, Otherwise, when you're trying to apply data science, it's more research rather than right. product feature, which will be used. From another side, you need to basically talk to your team, talk to your data science team. Since they have a lot of ideas, they keep following, let's say, new techniques and basically new developments like Gen AI and so on. Yeah. They can bring, let's say, a lot of potential, uh, interesting and creative ideas, which in some cases can help you to uncover, let's say, even use cases, which you never saw before. And at the moment, I would say uh, there is an interesting video from Andrew N on YouTube, where mm -hmm. he's, he's pretty famous person in AI work, and he's talking about opportunities in AI. And one of the thoughts which I really liked is that we have a lot of stuff in the infrastructure layer at the moment. For example, different providers like Google, mm -hmm. Microsoft, and so on. Then we have a couple of providers like OpenAI and et cetera, who can help you with, let's say, APIs and so on. But a lot of interesting stuff will be happening on the application layer. Since you can't really compete, let's say, with Microsoft, you can't really compete with OpenAI, but the interesting on how can you make sure and how you can utilize these techniques and all this infrastructure in order to uncover let's say, new applications. So how do we implement this kind of insights from someone like Andrew into our businesses on, an, on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, I would say from one side, as a PM, uh, you need to understand what data science team is talking about, basically, right. and how these different techniques, they can be used and apply. So for example, what is supervised learning? So, and in which cases it can be useful, how again AI can be used and which let's say potential use cases it uncovers. So that you will have this list of potential techniques which can be applied depending on the use case. From another side, 
uh, that's your product roadmap and product development conversation with your customers, understanding mm -hmm. their needs, what kind of priorities, what's important for the business, what's important for the customers. And then basically I think uh, it's between these two worlds. From one right. side, you have this big list, let's say, of potential techniques, tools, which can be used from another side when you are talking to customers, maybe you will see and you will discover that before we were thinking about this problem this way, but mm -hmm. now, since, for example, we have Gen AI, let's mm -hmm. take chatbots as a simple example. Yeah. Now we have Gen AI and potentially how this new technology can enable and how it can really change the chatbot infrastructure and the chatbot application overall. That's, uh, I would say, more from the feature value per perspective. From another side, what's important, uh, I would say this is a balance between all mm -hmm. these cutting edge technologies and practical solutions. Since if tomorrow you'll make it, uh, you make a decision that, okay, you want to use Gen AI or for example, even supervised learning for some of your techniques like fraud prevention and et cetera, there is a big journey which needs to be done even before this. Since it starts not from the moment when you want, let's say, to apply this, you need to make sure that you have proper data in place, uh, that you will have all the data needed, let's say, for the training, you know how to measure this, and it's aligned with your strategy, with the technical strategy of the company as well. Yeah. Since it's not something that potentially you can just implement one API and go from that. Overall, from the, let's say, enterprise perspective, it requires a lot of reparation work. And I had a lot of interesting conversations with other PMs where the OpenAI released ChatGPT. And then after that moment, a lot of I think companies, they had these conversations eternally. Okay, let's do something. Let's do, let's build these features. Let's implement it everywhere. In some cases, it's possible because, for example, the company was putting a lot of effort into yeah. data, how to manage it. They have proper infrastructure, how to launch machine learning models, how to change them, release management, and all that stuff. In other companies, maybe it's not on that sophisticated level. So this is where I would say an interesting trick is coming into place. As a PM, you need to understand not only, let's say, the user side, but you need to understand, let's say, the technical aspect of your company and how the company is ready. Since potentially tomorrow, if you say, okay, we want to replace our previous chatbot for, mm -hmm. I don't know, some image generation by latest Gen AI techniques. Yeah. Yeah. It may be doable, but it may take you several years to implement, taking into account, let's say, data privacy concerns. Is your technical infrastructure ready and et cetera? So I would say important thing here is that you need to have all these different pieces in mind and you need to understand all these different scenes so that in the end you can marry all of them. At mm. the same time, since all these let's say data science products, they require some strategical thinking. And yeah. in some cases when you start, and I had even uh, similar experience in the past when you want to build a model and you start, let's say, from the discovery process, mm -hmm. you don't even have data in place to train this model. So that basically you can start your project way before thinking, okay, how potentially we can generate this data, how we can make sure that this data will be good enough so that after some period of time, we can actually try to build something.
So it, it sounds like data science is kind of serving as a catalyst for innovation and there's a lot of things that can be done. But as a product manager, you need to be more strategic and be the filter between all these use cases that can be done and, and what is possible. Yes, yes. <clears throat> Since if you think only about, let's say, user perspective, yes, mm -hmm. you can potentially understand pretty well what your customer needs, what they want, and etc. Mm -hmm. But then it may be difficult for you and your team, let's say, to figure out what exactly and how to achieve this. But at the same time, if you understand that you want to use, let's say, data science, you know what, let's say, the team, the company, and the approach is capable at the moment, Basically, this way, it's kind of twofold discovery process. This way, at some point of time, you will see this opportunity that, okay, we have this problem, and this is how and what kind of technique from data science potentially we can use. And then after this, of course, the team and people around you in the company, they will help to uh, actually to have it done in the end. But for you as a PM, uh, I think it's important to understand these both worlds. Yeah, do you think we're 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 running before we can walk when it comes to these cutting edge technologies and getting actual value out of them? Uh, can you repeat, please? Uh, are we moving too fast? Uh, super good question. I like this question a lot. Why? <clears throat> From one side, at the company and. As any business, you want to make sure that you have innovation because it's important for the company, for the business, for users, and so on. From another side, you need to understand the impact of this. Mm -hmm. And basically, especially when we are talking about data science and all these techniques, what will the impact be? Let's say from very different angles. Since at N26, for example, since we are the bank, uh, compliance is basically a super important topic and there are a lot of let's say potential limitations so how you can should handle things differently to be still compliant in the end when you deliver these solutions and I think one super good example uh, in this balance is actually open AI and their strategy about chat GPT mm -hmm. so they how they started they released the first version yeah so that they can show basically the technology, uh, start, let's say, collecting some feedback from customers, but at the same time, discover potential impact of this, how it can influence, let's say, different areas and so on. Then they started gradually, okay, we want to update it to 3.5, 2.4. At the same time, collecting all this, let's say, experience and knowledge from the market. Since another is super interesting thing is that uh, usually data science products, they take some time to deliver them, to build them yeah. and de deliver. Uh, but SPM, and I think it's applicable not only to data science world, but to overall product management, that you need to start getting this feedback from your customers. Since uh, you can deliver you can build these products in silos and then after let's say one year or something when you try to launch uh, you will understand that basically the need is different or the world change or the customers they change and etc mm -hmm. that's why from one side 
OpenAI, they could, let's say, wait and release GPT-4. Yeah. At the same time, they wanted to get this feedback. And now I think we all see how many conversations they have around the world about potential application and how it can impact so many different areas of our life. So to summarize this, I would say from one side, you need to be up to date and mm -hmm. you need to know, let's say, the trade, the latest trends, techniques, and so on. But from another side, you always need to keep in mind, I would say, all the risks which potentially you have. Since uh, data science products, it's not something, it's not, it's not a magic. You build no. a product and then it will solve all your problems because this algorithm, they're so smart and etc. There is a big part of this application layer in the end, and, uh, which from my perspective will dif differentiate between, let's say, good products, good features and so on. And, and another side of that, not in all use cases, you may need data science and this complex, let's say, techniques may be the same results can be achieved in a different way. And one story from my life, my professor at the university who was working for the whole life in neural networks, he always mm -hmm. told me that uh, if you can find a way how to solve your problem without applying this complex neural networks, go for it first and try to understand this since sometimes uh, and i see this a lot of that this data science models is a black box for a lot of people yeah and uh, it may work in some let's say areas where you can apply it for example since like you want to categorize transactions mm -hmm. for example of a customer so there they can see good statistics inside of the app and so but from another side, when you're applying data science to fraud prevention, is it enough only to catch and let's say prevent a lot of fraud? Or the main goal is to understand what's happening and basically what kind of trends and fraud or similar areas you have so that in the end you may tweak, you may change something in the product to make it less attractive, let's say, for fraud behaviors and stuff like this. So it sounds like we're we're in danger of over over complicating things. I think in the end, uh, in the end, it will be fixed. It will take it will take some time. Since mm -hmm. if you think about supervised learning, yeah, and how it started basically, and the first companies, the first applications, only let's say very big tech companies, they could allow this. And the process was super complicated, how to train these models, how to process them, how to release them and etc. But after so many years, now we have way easier approaches. But again, uh, I'm a huge fan of data science in this area, mm -hmm. but first, uh, my advice is that you always need to keep in mind actually if there are any other maybe even easier ways or faster ways since technically from one side for example you want to build a data science model this product it will take some time to do all that stuff but if you can have let's say quicker idea in order to try to deliver it faster to get mm -hmm. some feedback from customers maybe in two months you'll realize that it's not the way to go since we are not talking about, let's say, one piece of the product where you have this data science model, 
mm-hmm. but you are talking about let's say the whole product infrastructure around it and maybe such small steps before doing such big products will help you save save time or may, maybe get even to a more creative idea and then when you say more creative ideas t- tell us share some examples that you can think of um, one of the examples which we which we touched today for example image generation yeah so let's imagine we have this delivery app and we have a lot of products in different restaurants and half of them they don't have let's say pictures on one side you can say okay we want to have gen ai to generate all these images so that our customers can easily select Mm-hmm. And you, so you'll need to start collecting data, think about prompts, how it can be generated, what kind of infrastructure you need to have in place, and etc. But another thing that you may even tweak this a bit, and for example, create some of the pictures, not having this complex, difficult approach, put them for some of the products, and etc. And try to measure, and try to measure and see whether when you will have all these images, it will really drive, for example, engagement of a customers, mm-hmm. it will increase the conversion. To generate these images, uh, it will take smaller time for you rather than deliver this end-to-end solution, uh, yeah. gen AI solution. But when you'll be experimenting, let's say with these pictures, by the, by the time when I think you will be ready to ship your product, you'll have a lot of new already learnings and experiences from this simple. And then maybe it will help you even um, make your requirements better and clearer so that when you launch this first iteration of a model for this product feature, it will perform even better. With these kind of examples, how important you mentioned about short-term wins as opposed to the longer term wins how important is patience throughout the whole process uh it's super important uh why since as i mentioned many times before these products they take some time to work on them and build and uh, usually what we see let's say in the peer world that some of the scenes people want to do fast because it's, for example, additional revenue, additional value for users and engagement mm-hmm. and all these things. But at the same time, in the end, you want to have a robust solution and you want to have yeah. sustainable solution. And you need to find this balance between, okay, I want to ship this tomorrow because it will generate a lot of value and, for example, really deliver this complex solution. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, which is important, you need to, to keep an eye what's happening around you. So that from one side, you have this long-term strategy, how to approach the scenes. But if tomorrow another technique mm-hmm. similar to, let's say, Gen AI will be released, yeah. at the same time, you'll, uh, you still need to be able to adapt to it and to adapt to the market and this is what i feel uh, will be happening a lot especially for gen ai since it's one year after the release we see a lot of different applications mm-hmm. in different products in completely different areas 
but I think we all don't still don't know what will be the impact. And maybe in one year, in two years, when we'll have already all these different cases, all these different learnings, we'll realize, okay, this is how it should be used. This is what kind of risks we see, what kind of safety measures we need to put in place and so on. So data-driven insights, user-centric iteration, these are main focus points. I would say innovating the first one, which is about what's happening in the market and trying to keep an eye and learn and understand how potentially what kind of additional capabilities it can bring to you. From another side, balancing. Mm -hmm. You want to have sustainable things, but at the same time, you still want to be practical uh, and be able to find this balance, okay, when we can launch this uh, and will it be at the right time, actually, to launch after we spend. Mm -hmm. And in the end, it's iterative nature. And one of the things which I like when we're talking about machine learning is that the name itself yeah. The second part of this name, it's a learning process. It's not something that you can ship tomorrow, for example, and then say, okay, it's done. It will be working forever. Since in one year, depending on the approach which you're using, you may need to retrain this. You may need to revise. So you may need to change the approach completely. So I would say it's bringing even more iterative approach to development of this data science products. plus. Keep customers in mind, since uh, you want to build this long-term relationship and value with them, so that they will be keep returning to your product and will understand its value. How much can we afford to to experiment and get wrong when it comes to the users in such a a new area such as Gen AI? That's a risk appetite. That's the question of risk appetite, and I think every company will be trying to apply this. In some areas, I would say it's less complex. You can mm -hmm. drive, let's say, small experiments, see yeah. what will be the feedback and so on. In other areas, for example, like banking or financial world, where the city is heavily regulated, uh, you need to be more careful. And you need to think about things like, for example, data privacy, still be compliant, how all these processes will be handled, and so on. Okay. Interesting. Let's, let's, let's bring this home. What, what, are the, what are the big takeaways from, from what we've spoken about today, about the triad and how to implement that ourselves? Uh... The first one, dream big. As PM, mm -hmm. you need to dream big about your customers, about your product, and dream big about, let's say, the new capabilities which appear in the market. The second one, stay open and practical. Stay open mm -hmm. to the outside world. Stay open uh, to people in the team, uh, to people in the company. Stay open to the company. And then try to understand what's happening around you and while dreaming big try to be still practical so that the world can see this new feature this new product they can iterate with this and so on. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the last one, keep on iterating and learning. I think this is the way how it goes with all these data science products and that it brings even more iterative nature. And uh, don't develop this in silos. Uh, make sure that if your product or feature at the moment is sustainable enough and you don't see, let's say, major risks, you can push it so that mm-hmm. you can start getting this feedback loop and learn. Since the more in some use cases, which I saw in the past, the more iterations you make and the quicker iterations you make, the better the product will be at the beginning and this feature. So what, what would you, your first step be? So for these three takeaways, dream big, stay practical, keep iterating and learning. What's your, what's your golden rule for, for these three combined? Uh, I would say balance between all of them. And okay. that's what makes maybe PM life a bit more complex mm-hmm. that you can't even say that you can focus on your dreams and what potentially would be great since you lose the connection with the actual world. From another side, you can't say, okay, I'll be open. I will listen to everyone think only about the practical side since in the end we want, let's say, to ship amazing features to our customers and you need to dream about this, think about this. At the same time, uh, find a way how basically to make this iterative process possible in your company so that you can do it, you can learn, and you will achieve great results. So as a summary, I would say equally among all all of them. Don't forget any points. Keep it balanced. Uh, I like it. I like it. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. Uh, thank you very much for your time uh, and your rich insights today, Pavel. Thank you so much. It was a big pleasure. Thank you for having me today. And it's, we'll be in touch. it's been uh, great to have you on. And of course, to the listeners, please like and share so you can so we can reach as many people uh, as possible. But it is bye from us. Thanks once again, Pavel. Ciao. Thank now. You. Ciao. Bye-bye.